welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, which means he had plenty of praise in other areas. But on this particular issue he's about to bring up, guys, he says, your meetings do more harm than good. In other words, you need to just take a stock take and, and, and look at what you're doing here. Um, in the first place, I hear that some of you come together as a church. There are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you has God's approval. So then, and now here's the issue. When you come together It is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. People say in their naivety or with their rose-coloured glass on, the church needs needs to get back to being like the book in the, uh, the church in the Bible. Well, I want to say thank God that in none of our services have we ever had anyone get drunk. So we're doing okay. (laughs) Woohoo! So in, in that, I, I praise you for that. We've even had, we've even had a beer, burger and boxing night and no one got drunk. Woohoo! So we're doing okay there. It's, it's hard to believe that they turned the communion time into a feast where some were getting nothing. You know, I, I, there's no wine, there's, 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 there's nothing to eat and there's some guy going, oh gee, that was awesome. Walking around, I love you, man. Oh, church is fantastic. Love you, man. Oh, God is good. Is it just me who sees the Bible in pictures? Obviously. All right. I'm like a little pop-up book, aren't I? Just like a little pop-up Bible. He says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? I mean, this is pretty bait. I mean, this is a guy who was caught up into the third heaven. He could have, and he's like, guys, I've got the question. Don't you have homes? This incredible spiritual man is really practical. I love it. Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink, um, I've lost my place, without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. He's speaking about physical death. But... If we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, 
When we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry, how is this for practical? Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions. I imagine that moment as the letter is being read, they're probably thinking, Paul, don't bother coming back. We don't want any further directions. Just stay away. But he loves this church. He wants to see Christ formed in this church. I can only speak from a natural father. I love my kids as they are. But I also want to see them come into their fullness. And I don't know how else to do that other than a bit of discipline. I know this. To see them come into their fullness, I can't just be their mate all the time. I can't just punch them on the arm and say, hey, buddy, how you going? I love those moments. I loved even just yesterday watching Mitchie play basketball. And I've got to say, I was really proud of him. This little kid, he was the smallest kid out there, uh, maybe with the exception of Keelan Jones. Um, but he's got one hand. He's been playing, you know, less, he hasn't been playing a year. And he's just pulled out the game of his life. I, I love that. And I thank God I get to share those moments. But Mitchie will be the first to hear, there's been other moments that haven't been so enjoyable for him. And to be honest, they haven't been so as enjoyable for me. And that's where Paul's coming from. He said, guys, you know, this is not easy for me. This is not something I just woke up and thought, I'm just going to do this. I want to do this because I love you and I believe in you and I want the best for your future. And so he said, so when I'm with you, I've got some other things I want to say. And I, I believe... What Paul was addressing at this moment is what we see in our world today, and that is, as I've already mentioned, a Christless Christianity. I believe at the heart of all these problems is a Christless Christianity. And so they were going to church, and they were having communion and doing all the Christian things, but they didn't have Christ at the center of what they were doing. They were doing their Christianity, but it was void of Christ. It's a Christless Christianity that was the problem. And I believe it's our problem today. In actual fact, I would say this, that today in church there are too many Ians. What is an Ian, I ask you? An Ian is a, Christ, is a Christian without Christ. If you get the word Christian, cross out Christ, you're left with Ian. Now with all due respect to all the Ians in the room, and my brother is one of those Ians. This is not a shot at my younger brother. Ian represents any one of us that is living a Christian life without Christ. And it's so easy to happen because as Gay mentioned before, you know, life happens around us. And we get overwhelmed and disillusioned. And, and some of the things we thought might happen haven't happened. And some of you thought you might have married the man of your dreams by now. And that just hasn't happened. Or maybe some of you did. And that ended in divorce. And now you're just overwhelmed. And you're saying, where is God? And so we go to church, but there's no faith. And there's no spark. And there's no belief. And there's no desire to serve. And there's no desire to help. And we live a selfish life. 
And this is no way to do our Christianity. It's no way to walk the walk. Because Christianity without Christ always leads to selfishness. It always leads to wrong living. As I've already mentioned before, Jesus loves us as we are. But he loves us too much to keep us the way we are. And every parent in this room knows what I'm on about. We want more for our kids than they are presently experiencing. And I believe, and I'm going to ask for the help of my friend Aidan to come up here on stage, that we've made Christianity all about us. Jesus cut quite a humble figure when he was on planet Earth. And I'm not here with my prop to to make a mockery of what I'm saying. But you know the problem is, when when we, we look at Jesus and we're feeling overwhelmed or disillusioned and we're feeling the pressure, because it's always okay when everything's okay, it's when the pressure's on. And we begin to say, you know what, Jesus as he is, this is not enough for me. And then we begin to just accessorize Jesus. And so we say, you know, Jesus is good, but, you know, I, I want my Jesus to be cool. And so we, we put a, a cool hat on him and we make the covering of our lives a cool covering. We, we, we don't want discipline. We, we, we don't want certain people speaking our lives. We just want our mates around us and we go to the people who tell us what we want to hear and we make the covering cool. Minus the challenge. I have my pastor on the front row here and I want to tell you there are many times that his covering over my life was anything but cool. And there are times I I felt like running and asking somebody else something that my itching ears wanted to hear. But I've learned something in following Jesus. A a Christless Christianity will just go to the person who will tell you what you want to hear. But a Christ-centered Christianity will hold your line and stay under the covering he provides in a local church. And then we look at Jesus and say, that's cool, but it's not very comfortable. As we put a nice, cool, comfortable jacket on him. So we can keep warm and cozy. And God help getting to church if, if it's a little bit cold. Mind you, if it's too hot, we don't want to go either. We want it to be a perfect day, about 22 degrees. But then again, on 22 degree days, you can do a lot of bike riding. So, you know, kind of, we, we want our Christianity to be cool and cozy. And then. You know, we believe in Jesus who's going to prosper us. And you can put that on for me, sir. And, and so we, we get the bling, we get the fancy jewellery, get the nice watch. And we'll serve Jesus as long as it's on our time. We, we, we'll serve this Jesus, but on my time, when I want to. 
And I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. Jesus said that we need to carry the cross. I mean, that's a great idea, Jesus. So we buy a cool little cross. I don't even know it's going to go on that head of yours. Just hold it, mate. That'd be great. And we buy a little cross and we're carrying the cross. The trouble is with that cross, it's minus the weight. When Jesus carried the cross, he stumbled. It was what the cross represented. It represented betrayal. It represented pain. It represented suffering. It represented loneliness. It represented standing your ground no matter what is happening and what you are going through. Hold your line. But we've reduced it to a necklace and an accessory. There's no weight. I've been in the gym many years, and this I know. Me pushing 100 pounds on a bench press is relatively easy for me. And if I had someone like Benno spotting me, we, I could just push you know, reps out all day. And we could say, oh man, wasn't Sunday night amazing? Oh, far hey, do you remember that? It was just so funny. Because there's no weight. You start putting 250 pounds on the bar and everything changes. Yeah. Yeah. See, with 100 pounds, I go, oh, I've done weightlifting. Weightlifting's easy. We can make our Christianity easy if we make it Christless. Or we can carry some weight. When I'm pushing 250 pounds, which isn't too often these days, it doesn't look like, hey, how, oh, Sunday night was awesome. This is what it looks like. It's like, better give it a hand, come on! And in those moments when you're carrying weight, you go, it wasn't very nice. Can you imagine Benno, who's there to help me, saying, well, 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 I would have helped you, but you weren't very nice. You could, you could have said it nicer. I'm like, said it nicer? I'm dying here. Anyone who's ever lifted heavy weights would know what I'm on about. There are people serving tirelessly in this church, and they're carrying some weight. Paul was carrying weight. And essentially behind what he's writing, he's like, give us a hand, it's heavy. I need help. You know what I'm on about? Do you know how easy it is to stand by not having any weight? And say, did you see so-and-so shouting and whinging on the bench the other day? Because we're not, when we don't put ourselves in the position of carrying any weight, you can make your Christianity look easy. But Paul is saying, guys, there's a better way. He wasn't referring to a necklace when he was talking about picking up your cross. He was talking about carrying some weight. The sunglasses... 
to have a cool vision. I follow Jesus for I am the head. He'll make me the head and not the tail. He has plans to prosper me. We quote all the scriptures we like. And we put them into a little mantra and we pray it every day. And we leave no room for a vision that doesn't bless us and prosper us. And every time we accessorise Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, you alone is not enough. Jordans. We've got to have a comfortable, we'll follow you where we want to go. We'll follow Jesus where we want to go. These cool shoes represent a comfortable walk. This is a name badge. And it represents the celebrity status that is in Christendom today. We'll come to church if there's a keynote speaker. Some of us would rather listen to a pastor that we've never met and listen to their podcasts than support the local church. Because we're driven by celebrity. It's amazing the grace we extend to people who have blessed us by a podcast, who have never prayed for us and don't even know we exist. And when you get to this, all of a sudden, Jesus is no longer recognisable. And we can't differentiate our Christianity from anyone else who's not a Christian. We're meant to be in the world, absolutely. But we're not meant to be like the world. And the trouble is, we end up just blending in and no longer making a stand. Thank you, Jesus, a.k.a. Aidan Stanley. What is the cause of a Christless Christianity? I believe it's a common crucifixion. See, what Paul was addressing to the Corinthians... He says, when, when, you, when you do this, you drink in an unworthy manner. So examine yourself. And, and how that's been taught and preached in the past is that you've got to examine what you've been doing and what you haven't been doing and, and repent for all of your sins before you actually can partake of the communion. But when Paul was addressing the church about an unworthy manner, he was simply saying that you're treating the cross as a common thing. What makes the manner in which you eat and drink unworthy is that you've reduced the cross to something that's just common. And that's what makes the manner in which you eat or drink unworthy. And so the cause is a common revelation. And I feel for many Christians today, 
the revelation of the cross is no longer there. It's become commonplace. We've got a new car. There's the cross of Jesus. There's a house. There's got a new kid. And the cross just becomes like every other part of our life. The solution to a common crucifixion is an uncommon revelation. And so when Paul says, examine yourself, what he's saying is that what we need is our revelation to be set on fire again. That we may have a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. That we may not just have a revelation like everyone else, but this revelation we have is uncommon. This uncommon revelation will make us think differently than others and act differently than others and speak differently than others. That's how uncommon it is. This kingdom that we're a part of is an upside down kingdom. When we are born, we are born into a culture. All of us like certain foods and like certain things and most of that will be because of the culture we were brought up in. Many of the tastes that you have acquired, that you love, is because of what you, family you were born into, the culture you were born into. I've said this many times before, but I've been drinking tea since the age of 18 months. I just love a cup of tea. And I love roast beef and Yorkshire pudding because I was born into an English culture. We weren't raised on rice. Many people from an Asian culture were. When we were born, we were born into a culture. When we were born again, we were born again into a new culture. And that's where the clash is. Every day we fight a battle of cultures. There's a clash of cultures. The old culture wants to do it the old way. But there's a new man living on the inside of us. And it wants to live in a new and living way. And that's where the battle is. I want to gossip. I want to stand up. But oh, there's this this burning with inside of me to do it a different way. Take the low road. Carry some weight. Do it differently. Don't go the way of all men. It's an uncommon revelation. And the only people on the face of the planet that can bring this uncommon revelation to the planet is the church. And so it doesn't matter what government is in or not. It's not going to change the spiritual climate. What's going to change the spiritual climate is the church being the church full of Christ, the hope of glory inside each and every one of us. That's the hope of glory. It's Christ in us. This is an uncommon revelation, a revelation of kingdom culture, because you and I are not meant to fit in. We're not meant to think like everyone else and act like everyone else and be like everyone else. We can't stop everyone getting drunk at the parties, but we should be able to draw a line. And the line is not, you shouldn't be drinking. You go to hell if you get drunk. And why all those tattoos? That's not the uncommon revelation. It's being in the midst of people that are getting drunk and you having more fun than they are without the alcohol, providing a better way. This is the uncommon revelation. So people say, what is different about you? 
You seem to be happy and yet you weren't drinking. What is going on? When someone slanders and you don't just get people on side, people notice. So what is different about you? See, life causes us to get common. But it's not in the process, it's in the revelation. We need to build people before programs. We need to make disciples, not dependents. We need to connect people to Christ, not just the church. We need to be people. Uh, sorry, we need to build people, not bless people. We need to be a following people, not just have people follow us. We need to build through prayer, not process. We need to build with revelation rather than reason. I want to conclude with another scripture, and it's an invitation, and it's found in Matthew 11. And in verse 28, Jesus said these words, Come to me, all who are weary. There's a lot of talk in the church today about being overworked, I'm tired, I'm weary. What's the invitation? If, if that is you this morning, it says, come to me and I'll give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your soul. So my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's amazing that when Jesus is addressing a weak, frail, hurting people, he didn't say give up. He said, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke, I hear you ask? Let's have a look at this picture. Because this is what Jesus was referring to when he said, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is that wooden piece that joined those two oxen together. That was placed upon the oxen for work. Jesus is saying, you feel weary? Okay, well, let's work. But not work in your own strength. He said, how about you hitch yourself up to me and we're going to work together. See, what they used to do with oxen was get a strong oxen with a weak oxen. And the strong oxen would carry some of the weight for the weak oxen. And as the younger, weaker oxen got stronger, the stronger one would give him more weight. And so the walk was like this. Until eventually they were walking and working together. The answer for your weariness the answer for your trial is never give up. It's never give up. It's to accept the invitation from Jesus on a daily basis to yoke yourself to Him and He will help you 
to do what you're struggling to do. Do you know why most of us are struggling to do what we're doing? Because we no longer hitch up to Jesus. For we find ourselves living a Christless, all alone, with nobody to help me, Christianity. And then in this weakened place, we isolate ourselves and find ourselves removed from church life. And so we've avoided the help of God and we've avoided the help of the church. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthians, hey, there's no way to live. See, this is an ongoing problem the church has had for the last 2,000 years, that Christians let life get on top of them. That they let life get the better of them. And oh, as a pastor, I wish I could protect you from all of life's trials. You just can't. I mean, when when our kids were really young, we could protect them from a lot. But what I'm finding is our kids are getting older, they're seeing more, they're hearing more. And now I can no longer protect them, I have to help them process their thoughts. I've got to admit, it's a lot easier raising young ones. I kid you not, this happened just last night. I said I'd work this new preach, here it is. I was around friend's house last night. Had this massive bonfire going. Some of you know where I'm going with this because it was horrific. What I saw was horrific. There was a, a baby duckling. Sharon, you might need to leave the room. You're not going to cope with this story. The cute little baby duckling. And it was walking to the fire, like this massive big old fire. It was hot. I mean, I was standing a mile away from it. It was hot. And this duck is getting closer and closer to the fire. You'd think it would have enough sense to turn or burn. (laughs) And so a friend of mine, compelled to help the duck, makes a couple of steps towards it. To help, yeah? The duck sees the helper but does not realise it's there to help and just runs straight into the fire. You're laughing. There was only a handful of us watching it. It was like, we went, like for a fraction of a second, it went silent. We're like, like, did that just happen? What happened next? Like, I, 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 it's like something out of a movie. This little duckling with this little, it wasn't even feathers, just bum fluff. <laughs> it ran to the fire, took one step, two step, danced, and poof! It was like a picture before my very eyes. 
of how many Christians were trying to help. They run away. Boom, boom, poof. How do you make a duckling sound like a dog? Put it in a fire. Woof. Just like. You're laughing. I was on a roll last night. I'm talking, chatting. What I didn't realise, my little, I said a six-year-old, she just turned seven, walked up behind me. I didn't know she was there. I'm, I'm doing all these jokes. Oh, this fire. She's crying. I don't like that story. <laughs> so I have to leave the party. So that's okay, sweetie. The gentleman that tried to help the duck that ran into the fire caught another duck, a little duckling. It's obviously two of them. I don't know where the mother is. I blame the mother. <laughs> so this little duckling's been caught and he brought the duckling to church. And we showed BJ. This is what I'm talking about, the protection. I can't do this, my old My seven-year-old, I opened it and said, look, it never died. He lives. And she had a little smile on her face. Ah, oh, so easy when they're young. New Christians, it's easy. It's all new and bright and bushy-tailed and there's still an uncommon revelation living in their heart. But it's us Christians have been around for a while. We've had just enough time to get disillusioned. Not just once. Not twice, but many times. And the cross has become so common in our life that there's no power of the resurrection anymore. I, I, I wish he was all seven. I could say, hey, the, it's okay. But as the band come, I can say this. Jesus did die. And he did take a visit to hell. He did take that trip to a place where you and I do not want to go. But unlike that little duckling, Jesus did not just self-combust. Jesus stood in the midst of hell untouched, unfazed, took what belonged to him, the keys of death and hell, forever, said, thank you very much, I'm out of here, and rose again, so powerful, so strong, so powerful, so strong, so authoritative, with such conviction that not even death could keep this man down. And it's this one who holds the keys of death and hell in his hand. 
gives every one of us in this room today an invitation to come. You're tired? You're disappointed? You're lonely? You're overwhelmed? Come. Don't give up. Don't run away. Come. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the skeptics. Come. Hook yourself up to my life. And I'll give you rest in your work. I'll bring purpose and meaning to your life. It won't always be easy. In actual fact, sometimes it'll be downright hard, but come. And when it's too hard for you, know this, I'll be there carrying the majority of the weight at that time. Come. Don't run, don't turn, come. But do not do a Christianity without Jesus. That is no alternative. That will make for the most miserable life of all. There are people that don't go to church who are far happier than Christless Christians because at least they've nailed their colours to the mast. But for us who've been walking with Jesus for some time, we need a fresh revelation of this one who laid down his life for us took on death and hell once and for all and without a struggle as a man would sure way a fly Jesus sure way death said enough and at just the right time he rose he walked the earth for some 40 years uh, 40 days after his resurrection and before believers and non-believers he ascended into heaven And now He sits at the right hand of the Father, praying and interceding for us, His church. I believe much of that prayer is that our eyes will be opened to the incredible revelation that is Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, rose and ascended. Will you stand with me this morning? This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.